This week on the Weekly Wrap, Daniel Stein saves the bacon of the Perth Glory men's team with a late equaliser. Perth Glory women, they're hanging on tooth and nail to that top four spot. And Sterling Macedonia, they lead the way in the NPLWA night series competition. All that and more coming up. This is the Weekly Wrap presented by the Far Post Perth podcast. Yeah, welcome to the Weekly Wrap presented by the Far Post Perth podcast. Great to have you on board we're all being supported by Sportsmate and the A-League Live app. Check out the Apple Store, the Google Play Store, wherever you get your apps from. It is a beauty. Keep up to date with everything that's happening across the A-League as well. Well, it's Monday. We've decided to do uh, a podcast today because uh, we've got a few other commitments. Yes, folks, believe it or not, we do have lives outside of football. Um it is Monday. If you're in Perth, you'll know it's an absolute stinker out there at the moment. So we're going to make this a short and sweet because it's a little bit hot in the old Dan Tommy who joins us uh, this evening. And uh, we'll get uh, get into a bit of football action from across the A-Leagues and uh, obviously NPL. First of all, welcome, mate. Thanks, Blaine. Yeah, fresh off the weekend. A couple of uh, big games for the glory over the weekend, which we'll get stuck into and, and like you stay. Uh, trying to stay cool, trying to stay hydrated. Um, me and you both felt the same pain before we get into the A-League of a Leeds United loss against uh, Everton on the weekend. That was no good. Yeah, it's disappointing, really. Uh, it was probably one of Leeds' worst performances of the season. Everton were really up for it at home. Lampard's first Premier League game at home in charge of Everton, and they just came flying out of the blocks, and I think it probably caught Leeds on the back foot a little bit. Yeah, they, they hit the bar twice. Uh, Rodrigo, obviously... Tested the frame, but uh, yeah, disappointing result. Tough run of games to come, and uh, to be honest, Blaine, I'd rather talk about A-League men's and women's football than that any longer. Let's do that instead. Let's do that instead. Um, Let's start with the Perth Glory men. Uh, This came as a bit of a surprise. I didn't think that Perth Glory was actually worth the draw, but hey, here we are. We found ourselves at 1-1, a late winner from Daniel Steins. It's an interesting take. I thought they were worthy of a point on the basis of the chances that were created in the game. Obviously, um, we saw the Calver effort. Bruno Fornaroli had a couple of half chances snatched from the edge of the area. He had that really good header in the second half, um, that chance from Bert Gilroy's cross. So I think they, they created enough chances to find the back of the net. Um, but I do take your point that given the circumstances of the game, the fact that the Mariners probably did wrestle a little bit of that control in the second half and, and took the lead. And then obviously for them to concede so late, they'd probably be filthy that they dropped the two points at the end. But it's probably a good point on the face of it. Uh, and um, obviously they'd be devastated that they've done it twice in uh, a week because they uh, Central Coast obviously dropped that one to the to the Craig Nude screamer in the week. Yeah, and, to um, Carthage in the week. Yeah, brilliant goal that yeah, one, wasn't it? Yeah, Belter, Belter up there with the best. I think we'll be seeing that for a, a little bit of a time. Yeah, I, I thought um, Central Coast dominated the match. I thought it was it was super cagey, wasn't it? It was just there's a lot of the ball just getting stuck in the midfield. There's opportunities. Have a bit of a look at the stats. It was uh, 13 shots total shots, Central Coast to 12 Perth Glory, six shots on target to four Perth Glory. Um, yeah, I mean this could have been a nil nil really. Uh, it turned out to be a one one. Mm. It wasn't the, wasn't the greatest of matches, I didn't think. But, hey, both sides fought hard and they almost cancelled each other out and in the end they, they kind of did and shared the points. It was a game that really lacked final third quality, mm. wasn't, wasn't it, Blaine? And it was ironic, really, that the two sort of best pieces of composure of the game led to the goals. Obviously, uh, Uranus' pass for the opening goal was absolutely brilliant to, to pick out Cummings for the opener. Lovely sort of dinked ball over the top finesse through for Cummings to open the scoring. Um 
a lot of credit for the pass. I think maybe Mitch Oxborough might have been. Apologies, Mitch, if I'm incorrect. Maybe could have been a little bit closer to Urena on the turn. It was a little bit easy for him to get through. Um, and then obviously at the end there, we saw sort of Adam Zimmerino driving into the area, sort of not trying to rush, not trying to get off the, the strike or just have a wild swing at the ball. It was sort of very easy to do that. Instead, he sort of rolled it across for Stein to again, showed that bit of composure and mm. they were probably the two bits of class we saw in the game and that's where the goals came from. Uh, could we have done better for Jason Cummings' goal? I thought there was a little bit of ball watching. It was obviously, I don't know who that defender was who was marking Cummings, but he was definitely the wrong side of him. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was probably a little bit of everything, Blaine. I think you're right. I think I think at the source, I think they could have got to Urena on the turn. I think it was Miller that played the ball inside. It was a good pass inside from him, but that was far too easy for Urena to just pick the ball up on the edge of the area, spin under under no sort of pressure. The pass was brilliantly executed and the and the and obviously good run from Cummins to finish. But I think you're right. I think that goal was definitely preventable. There's a good battle there. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Lewis Miller there. That was a good little battle between mm. him and Nick Fitzgerald there. Obviously, he came into the side, uh, rushed into the side. I I tend to say. But it's um not a bad player that Lewis Miller. He's got a he's a he's a bulky fella. He's fit. Yeah, there's a I, I mean there's a lot of players at the at the Mariners that are quite likable, aren't they? I thought Hall had a good game as well for them too. So um, yeah, they're actually one of the teams I actually don't mind watching the Mariners, which which says something about how they've possibly played in in previous years, perhaps. But um, yeah, they're definitely a team that have got some exciting players, and I think um, that they're certainly a team that maybe later in the season, if they can get Cummings into a bit of a bit of a groove. We've seen Uranus had some good moments. Matt Hatch came back. He offered a little bit of pace to them out wide as well. So um, yeah, they're, they're certainly a team that I mean, Cummings got two goals in three games now. If he can sort of build on that, what he's done at the start of the season, even though he wasn't particularly great in the game against Glory over the course of the time he was on the pitch, then he's a player that can definitely be dangerous in the games going forward to the end of the season. Um, just having a bit of a look at Central Coast. I played at nine, one, three, drawn two, lost four. It's really hard, Tommy, to get a gauge where some of these sides are at at the moment because everyone's played a different amount of matches. Everyone's played more home matches than away matches. It's not a very even season from what we've seen. Mm. Uh, Central Coast better than ninth on the table because I tend to think they are. I tend to think they're certainly well worthy of pushing the finals um, or maybe being just in the finals. Like you say, I think they're a game outside of the teams that are fifth and sixth in the league. So... They win that game in hand and they're possibly a little bit closer and maybe that's a more fair reflection. But I think it's really sort of, as as you say before, hard to get that gauge. I think there's a lot of even sides in the competition this year. Um, We obviously saw that Melbourne Victory lost uh, to the Newcastle Jets at the weekend, which was a result that sort of caught everybody on the hop given the the form that both of those teams had seemingly been in in recent times and obviously given that Victory uh, lifted the... Um, last version of the FFA Cup as well. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I think there's still a lot to play out this season. We're still only, well, 9, 10 or 11 games in, depending on how many you've played, and, and there's still plenty of room left in this season for moves to sh- for moves to happen, I'm sure. Uh, let's have a bit of a look at some of the, I guess, the performances. Um, I'm starting to work out who's really, I guess, needed at this club and who's not. Um, I Obviously, we've had to pull some guys in. We're not really sure about how the future may look. Nick Fitzgerald came in, obviously, the return of Bruno Fornaroli, which obviously we know how important he is to that side, even just his hold-up play, whether he is scoring or not. His hold-up play is essential to 
to uh, to the to the team. What did you make of Fitzgerald's debut? I thought it was okay. He tried hard. He, he, he lacked a bit of sharpness, didn't yeah. he? But I thought he showed moments where he, he looked as though he was he was capable of. of Where's he been? Something. Where have we got him from? Was he just let I'll, go from I th- the last club he was at was the Jets, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And they've just let him go. But I, but I, I can't. I, I couldn't. Couldn't tell you, mm. to be honest. But I thought there were some reasonable performances in, in the game. I thought Neon Gabiro probably had his best game um, for the for the glory that I can I can recall. I thought Calva was was very good. Lachman was was pretty steady at the back as well, and um, and and obviously then you've got um, Brandon O'Neill and 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 Geo Colley as well, who also I thought put in a power of work. Mm. In, in the midfield as well, and and I'm sort of banging the drum, and and I know that he's been out of the team for a little bit longer. But once again, when Daniel Steins came onto the pitch, I know he's been out. I think he's um, been one of the players that have been sort of out due to um, for, for COVID reasons mm. um, after that sort of mini outbreak a while back. But but he came off the bench, and I thought he was he was he showed intent, and I think that's what. Glory were lacking. They were a little bit passive, and when he came on, he was trying to get into those advanced positions and try and pick up the ball and make something happen. Well, at the moment, I think Daniel well and truly battles for that um, that probably that position that Sardinero's playing in uh, as a starter most weeks. Um, I'd love to see him play more, uh, Daniel Steins. What, what about a midfield three of Brandon O'Neill, Geo Colley, and Daniel Steins? You want to be? I think Daniel Steins is much more attacking minded. I think he's. A little bit, little bit further up, almost that link man between the the out and out strikers in your midfield. Okay, in behinds. That's what I'd like to see. Someone like Daniel Steins give him a bit of a, a free pass just to pick up balls and kind of whether he wants to play guys in or have. He's got a decent shot. He can bang them away. So um, I'm, I'm thr- thrilled to see Geo Colley look more and more at home in the A League as well. Obviously, I have to declare an interest. I do a lot of MPL and I've 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 dealt with Geo quite a bit and. He's a uh, he's a top he's a top fella, but obviously his attitude and his his work rate we've seen it as he's stepped up. He obviously led that very young team in the FFA Cup mm. game against Melbourne Victory as well. Um, a, a game in which they they nearly won. They 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 took them all the way to penalties, and they that that's obviously a 50-50 toss of a coin at that point. So amazing to see uh, someone like him stepping up. Um, and I mean we we we've spoken about this before, Blaine, but. I mean, we've we've seen Cameron Cook in goal this season. We've spoke about that game in the FFA Cup already. Um, Gio, as we mentioned, Adam Zimmerino off the bench with an assist. Daniel Steins and Mitch Oxborough both played MPL well up a couple in in the in the past couple of seasons. Aiden Edwards on the bench as well. So, I mean, the MPL guys they're pretty good, Blaine, and the, and and I and yeah. I still don't think we I still think we understate that a lot as a code. And possibly as a WA football community, these guys are, are stepping up and they're looking more than at home in the in the league. Now, whether that's a marker of the standard of the competition or whether that's a marker of how good these players are that are stepping up, that's open to debate, whichever way you want to take mm. it. But I think it should still be celebrated that we're seeing a lot of young players out of the MPL WA stepping up and playing A-League men's football. I don't think anyone has made that, that they've put into that side has looked out of sorts. I mean, even when we saw that FFA Cup game, guys like Chris Donnell was 16, 15, 16, didn't look at it out of place. Didn't He didn't care that the guys were probably double his age, some of them. Yeah. Just got on with it. He's he's dynamite as well. He's going to be a cracking player in the future. 
So it, it, certain of that. And this is where it comes in, that where you go, you make these decisions. And why are we bringing in guys like Nick Fitzgerald? If these other guys that we've got, these younger guys, can do a job. I think I think it's a little bit. I get I get you need the you need the bricks and the mortar. I totally get I, that if I can use that analogy. But I think in these COVID times, I think squad depth is always a beneficial thing. And I think someone like Fitzgerald, who's capable of playing anywhere across mm. the, the midfield and the midfield and and in the wide positions, I think someone like him's. Um, uh, sorry, sort of valuable in that sense. I, I would have taken your point, though, in a normal season, but I think in a season like this, you've got to have all bases covered. So I, I had no problem with the Fitzgerald signing. Um, I was a little surprised that he started the game and played 70, 75 minutes. And um, and, and, and like I said, I thought he did some some nice things, um, some nice enough things. Um, but yeah, he, again, if they can get if they if he can get fit quickly and he can get that sharpness up, I'm sure he can contribute as well for the back end of the campaign. Yep, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, everyone Daryl Lackman, I think he's one of the ones that's come out of COVID. G. He was sucking in the big ones for a while there. You could see that. So some of these guys are just taking a little bit longer to get back to back to full fitness and just get their respiratory fitness back up as well. And it's been so difficult. The players have obviously had to um, have spells where they've not played for a week. They've, they've not played for a couple of weeks. They've then had absences from the squad, injuries, COVID, various other things have, have happened as well. Um, and it's been such a... And it's been such an unsettled squad. There's been so much change in the team. And I think that you have to applaud um, the coaching staff. You have to uh, applaud the the attitude of the young players who've stepped in as well to cover some of the more experienced guys and and really sort of um, I, I know that I know that the league position wise they're bottom of the table at the minute and they've they've got a lot of work to do if they are to make that top six but look as I've said before it's all about just hanging around Blaine uh, it's all about um, trying to just pick up enough points to stay in the mix for when we do get a slate of home games fingers crossed and then hopefully there's an opportunity to come home with a bit of a wet sail and make that push for finals but um, there's going to be another hurdle before then I believe announced today there was three games in Tasmania scheduled over the next week Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you've got any more information on that Uh, all I know is that three have been uh, confirmed for the men's team and one for the women's team so yeah so my my understanding is that they will have Brisbane Roar on Sunday, MacArthur on Wednesday, and Western United on Sunday, all in Launceston, Tasmania, with the third of those games against Western United uh, being a doubleheader with the Perth Glory women's team who are playing unbeaten Sydney FC. Uh, so that'll be a tough game for them as well. Um, Tony Sage on the World Football program on 107.9 FM on Saturday said that after the Tasmania stint, they will, well, he was confident they'd have 10 home games from March 5, provided that the various markers were ticked off by the government regarding um, the exemption similar to what the AFL women's teams had this weekend. So um, that was obviously, as I heard it on Saturday and Glory's release today, obviously suggested that a series of, of Isuzu U A-League home games in early March would happen at the end of the release uh, on off the club's official sort of page. So um, we'll see what sort of follows. I'm not sure what that's going to mean for the women's team who will only have one game left or one regular season left, game left come March 5. Um, but... It, this is all obviously as information as it is now, and we all know that that can change mm. at, the, at the drop of a hat tomorrow. 
Uh, so this is um, to, 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 to Utah Stadium. So I'm pretty sure they play a few AFL games there as well. Launceston. Yeah. yeah, so that's, I think, where Hawthorne was possibly playing. So if, to put you in perspective, if you're into your AFL, you, you might be able to get a little bit from there as well. The, uh, the other little nugget, I suppose, was that there was a possibility perhaps to swap a home game with Wellington, given from, from the same show on Saturday morning, um, Tony, Sage, Tony Sage said there was a possibility to swap a home game with Wellington later in the season. Uh, given the situation we saw sort of last week with their team, obviously, uh, not able to play in front of fans. Um, I think it was their home game with Melbourne Victory in, in the middle of last week, if, if you can recall, Blaine. Mm. So, look, the decision now that the decision's sort of been made um, and been confirmed by the club, sort of taking a step back, it's a great opportunity for Tasmanian, uh, for the government and for football Tasmania to sort of uh, showcase some... Um, sort of football in the state, and hopefully it's something that they can use to sort of get some crowds in an inch towards a team in the national competition because that's what we'd all like to see. But from a glory perspective, it's obviously pretty disappointing to lose more home games. And as I said, just got to be in touch, haven't we? I mean, we're seven points off six. I think if presuming all, all goes to plan, maybe Sturridge can be back and play some minutes in these games in Tasmania. And if the home games go as is to plan, then then maybe he can get back. We can pack HBF Park again and we can get a little bit of momentum and, and still push for that finals position. Considering we were due 13, possibly 14 home games, to still get 10 in the bag is not too bad. I know it's not, I guess it's, it's not ideal, but considering I, I thought we were losing... Well, Plenty yeah, more home games. Eleven, then. if you include the Adelaide game from round one, of course, as well. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that would be a good result, and I think um, that would be much welcome to the club as well, given the obviously obvious revenues mm. that I'm sure they've had to to, to battle with and, and contend with. I know on your show you've had uh, Tony Pinata on, who's who's spoken very well and very articulate articulately on, on that as well and, and what the club have had to deal with. So, um, look, I'm sure if there's an opportunity to get 10 home games at the back end of the season, that'll be something that the Glory will definitely actively pursue. And uh, and and like you say, it's important for the fairness as well of the, of the competition that the Glory do get some games after what's been a pretty torrid couple of years in the COVID era. Interesting uh, thoughts and points. And that was Andy Keogh who spoke before the last game and there was talk about having the 10 games. And he said, look, it doesn't really matter because we're doubtful whether we're going to be able to pack out the crowds because people can't simply afford to go to 10 home games on the road. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of crowds we do get. I mean, if you're going to play three times a week for how many weeks? I can't afford to go to three games a week. It's going to be interesting, especially with uh, local football coming back as well. Exactly. You're, going to have, you're going to have amateurs and you're going to have uh, Saturday State League and, and MPL starting up. Obviously, that, that falls down to the 23s and the 18s and the juniors as well. So, look, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a challenge for the glory to, to try and sort of make their way through and to try and find the, the optimal way to, to try and pack out HBF parts, try and create the best atmosphere possible because I suppose what what you'd want to avoid ideally is is crowds of sort of sub 5000 on a on a Tuesday night on a wet Tuesday mm. night um but at the end of the day we are living in difficult times with regards to the pandemic and and the restrictions and when we kind of just have to do everything as best as we can and I'd rather play the games at home even if I know it's hard 
I know it's easy for me to see, say, say sitting here, but I'd rather play the games at home, even if the, the turnouts aren't great, rather than and give people the opportunity to go like the season ticket mm. holders. Um, even if, as as Andy may have said, it may, it may not necessarily pack out for 10 games straight. I think it highlights also is the, the need, and we didn't see this before COVID times, and that's the time, that is the need to have your team playing at home every second week. So people know they can put it in their diaries. People get paid fortnightly. They can go, all right, I'm going to put that money aside and go to the football. We're, we're creatures of being, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're creatures of routine, Tommy. So I think it's hugely important that this, they get seen as a, a, a real lesson. And we know that Perth Glory is going to be home every second weekend playing in Perth. Rain, hail or shine. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's essentially what we do need. Uh, it's amazing the amount of times that, uh, and uh, this goes on to your marketing and stuff like that as well, but you'd be walking through the city in a Perth Glory kit on your way to the game and turn to oh, is the Glory playing today? I had no idea because people don't know when the games are because they're not on a regular occasion. So I think it plays a huge role in that. Uh, let's move on. Let's have a bit of a look at some of these other matches throughout the weekend, um, and then we will take a quick break and have a bit of a look at uh, at the women's side of things as well. Uh, if I can get my computer up here. It, let's go all the way back to Friday. It was the Western Sydney Wanderers, a bit of a trouncing at the hands of Melbourne City. Um, just the Dimmy Petrados penalty that got the Western Sydney their goal. Matthew Leckie, he might have returned to form. He hit the brace as well as a good goal by Florin Berenguer as well. Um, pretty even across the uh, across the, um, the stats, uh, except for possibly a little bit of possession, and obviously that just that finishing that final third, Tommy, in this one. Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't catch this game, but but obviously on the basis that they had a lot of the ball. Um, it's obviously subject to to what they w- were doing with it, and and the fact that City were able to reach out to a to a three nil lead um, before the hour mark would suggest that they they were obviously able to sort of pick off the opportunities pretty comfortably with the pace of the likes of Leckie, um, and obviously counter pretty comfortably when when the Wanderers were in possession. But um, look, it's um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Mark Rudan's had, I think he's had three games in, in charge of the Wanderers now. I think he obviously had that win against uh, the Glory, which was a, a bitterly sort of disappointing defeat, wasn't it, to watch to watch that one. And I think there was a, a loss to, um, obviously, Melbourne City and then Western United subsequently, who were, who were, um, who were one and two in the table. So, look, probably a little bit early to, to judge the Wanderers. And as for City, it looks as though... They're starting to get their good players into form, which is always an ominous, an ominous sign, isn't it? We we know that they were the pick for most people at the start of the season in terms of the league, in terms of the champions, and uh, and and they certainly look as though they're starting to roll a little bit. I think they're also the league's top scorers as well, so they've certainly got the firepower to mix it and match it with the best. They certainly are. T- uh, Twenty-two goals for um, sixteen against a goal difference of six. So eleven played, five wins, four losses. A th- a two, sorry, eleven played, a five wins, a four draws, two losses for Melbourne City at the moment, and they are just a point behind Western United. There, uh, Western Sydney, uh, they've uh, sunk even lower now due to other results. They find themselves in eleventh. Of uh, ten played, two wins, just the two wins. Three draws, five losses. Does, for does Rodan have to make the top six to keep his job? Do you think, Blaine? No, I don't think he does to keep his job. Even though he's on a six-month contract, I think they keep him regardless. I think they just see the season out. There's no relegation. Who cares? Reset. Let's go again next year. Get my own team in. Okay, on to the next game. Then. I, I think that's the way. I think that's the way <laughs> they'll take it. Um, 
it's clear. I don't. I don't know if you could have Pep Guardiola and get this Western Sydney side into form against anyone, I, I, except for Perth, clearly. But um, that's uh, yeah, that's another another conversation. But I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think that it doesn't look like these guys want to play. It doesn't look like these guys want to be there. There's some really interesting. Um, decisions. Um, they've got some injuries at the moment. Jack Rodwell, I don't think, played or at least didn't start. Tomah Hamed is, seems to be out of form at the moment. Um, so, yeah, there's some uh, uh, certainly some names that you would have in that side that simply aren't there at the moment. So, I yeah. wonder. One, one team that has climbed above the Wanderers in the table is, is Brisbane Raw Blaine, who've suddenly won three games in the last five. Where's that come from? I don't know if you managed to catch the rest of this game after the, the Mariners' glory game on um, on Sunday afternoon. I did. Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of in and out, and I was kind of keeping an eye on this as well as uh, potting around the house and uh, doing my chores like a good boy. Uh, yeah, 11 shots to eight, uh, Brisbane over MacArthur. I didn't see this coming, to be fair. Um, good strike from Corey Brown, wasn't it? Yeah, beauty. Absolute beauty. Uh, Henry Hall back in the uh, goals as well. So, obviously, he scored against Perth, and now he's in there again as an ex-Perth player. I just, uh, I just wanted to come back on, on to Hoare, actually. He, yeah. he was um, obviously a player who um, had a couple of years with the glory. I think it was in 2018, 2019. And, and I always remember him being a, a really sort of creative midfield player, talented sort of number 10, awesome dead ball ability. Mm. And... And he had a uh, – I can't remember the numbers of assists that he had, but it would have been double figures. But he was part of that glory team who obviously went to the, the top four final in 2018. They they lost to Perth in the final, obviously, quite quite heavily. And, and there were some good players in that team, the likes of Luke Bodner and, and Josh Rawlins and um, Aidan Edwards, who was on the bench. Callum Timmons. Callum Timmons, uh, Christian and, and Gabby Popovich yep. as well. So – it was a very talented team, and, and, and like I said, it was um, it's obviously good to see players like that who've sort of had to do the hard yards. I think he's had stints in the NPL in Queensland and in Victoria as well before getting his, his A-League opportunity. So, um, yeah, big congratulations to him, I suppose. It's always good to see the, the youngsters thriving. And, and as for MacArthur, I suppose they're on a bit of a slide now, aren't they? they they're they sort of regressing back to the mean. Is it winless in five or six at the moment? They've... Yeah, they've just lost a, a bit of that, a bit of that early season vigor that they showed. I, I still think they've probably got the tools to to finish in that top six, um, but I don't know if they can do much damage in there. I mean, some of the the names that they've got in there are phenomenal for where they should be. Craig Noon, Ulysses Devere, uh, Jordan March. Um, who else have we got? Susanya, Lockie Rose was banging them in earlier on. So they've certainly yeah, Danny got, De Silva, and Danny De, De Silva. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. So they've certainly got uh, Tommy Orr, who uh, scored that belter in the week. Uh, Al Santore, uh, Apostolos Giannou, who's also coming to the side. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. To be honest, they've yeah. just uh, hit, hit a bit of a bit of a uh, light patch there. Let's have a bit of a look at Wellington Adelaide United because uh, Wellington uh, traveling under the radar. Um, I mentioned that about Western United, but Wellington doing themselves a huge favour. Just one point out of the six, and under the conditions, and considering they're not playing any home games. This is pretty good. So they are the uh, the they are actually the competition's informed team blame with three wins and a draw in their last four. Um, Western United and Sydney are also on on unbeaten four game runs, but they've had two wins and two draws. So yeah, they as you said, they're going nicely under the radar, and they've they're, they're right on the cusp of that seventh spot. And 
And look, it's a it's a wonderful job once again from Uffi Talley, isn't mm. it? What, we, what he's doing with that team, what he's done with that team for a couple of years now. In trying circumstances with basically no home games either, it really makes you wonder what um, what they could have achieved um, had they had a few home games here and there and, and made a couple of these trips really difficult and for, for these home games for uh, some of these visiting teams. But... Yeah, again, they're a team, I think we spoke about them in the early part of the season. They had a couple of good wins early on. They then went through a little bit of a rut, and then they seemingly found their their groove again. It was just a real shame that um, last weekend with the victory game, they, they were obviously unable to play it in front of fans. Um, is Ufitale, is he the front runner for Coach of the Year at the moment? Oh, that's a, that's a question without notice. I think, I mean, I think John Aloisi... Given that Western United are top, we mm. have a, have a pretty good claim to that. Even though they've they've not particularly been the most inspiring watch this season, but they've been very effective with the results that they've they've gained. I mean, I mean, so I suppose we'll come on to that game. I mean, they drew one all with Sydney at the weekend, and um, yeah, eleven games, eleven scored, and, and nine conceded. So it's it's very much um, it's a pretty attritional stats mm. column when you look at it that way, but. I mean, look, they're, they're the top of the league and, and Sydney are now storming back after that. I remember we were talking on this show about a terrible start for Sydney and they they somehow find themselves in third. So, look, it's encouraging. I mean, if you, I suppose if you're looking at it from glory-tinted glasses, it just goes to show how things can quickly change if you can get a run of form going. But I think if you're going to ask me the manager of the year question, I think you'd have to give it to Aloisi, wouldn't you? Given given the way that Western United finished last season mm. as well with those, I think it was eight losses in a row at the back end of last sure. campaign when before Rudin left. Uh, you did mention that 1-1 between Western United and uh, Sydney FC. Probably a good point there for Sydney. Um, they they did uh, all goals came in the second half there as well. Uh, Central Coast and Perth Glory we did mention one one a little bit earlier, and we've also talked about oh this is the uh, the big surprise was a Newcastle Jets getting over the top of Melbourne victory unbeaten since their FFA Cup um, win in the final. Tommy, yeah. so bit of a hangover. Yeah, and we touched on this before. It was probably the shock of the weekend, wasn't it? Obviously. Um, Jake Brimmer got the opening goal and then and then Berlante, uh copped a red card early in the second half and the Jets were able to, to turn it around with goals from UL and um, Mikkel Tadzi. So, look, I think we've we've spoken on this before. We we all have a little bit of a we have a little bit of a soft spot for the Jets, don't we? With the way they sort of go about things, so it's nice to see them return to the winners' circle after a pretty tough run as of late. Um, oh, yeah. What do you make of the victory, Blaine? I mean, they, they won the FFA Cup. They were looking pretty good before that, and now they've sort of. It, it seems like they're still on the come down after after that result. Did did not enough of the players in the squad drink milk after the uh, <laughs> after the the final? Well, what's gone on there? Uh, like, have a look at it. Ben falami has been phenomenal. Uh, Jake Brim is probably my pick at the moment for the Johnny Warren Medal. He's uh, yeah, he's having a cracking season. Marco Rojas. Um, I don't know where it's all going wrong. I'm not sure sure about playing. I don't know if this is 100 percent accurate. The uh, the lineup that I'm seeing, but uh, Lee, uh, Lee Broxton, you see, still got a place in that side. I don't know. He's a he's a great clubman. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, is he a guy that's going to contribute to this side and go on and win you the league? I don't know. Yeah, ah, uh, look, it's, he's been such a good servant, hasn't he? Yeah. The club. I mean, it'd be. 
be remiss of us to, to 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 be too critical. And obviously, when you go down to ten men and uh, yeah, and, and you lose Brillante, who's one of the best midfielders in the league, arguably we've seen it many years previously with Sydney FC. Um, just what he can do. So, look, maybe maybe it was a matter of the game turned on the red card, and uh, and obviously from then on the Jets went on and got the win. But the victory is still in a pretty healthy position. Again, I'd I'd expect them to finish in that sort of uh, top three or top four, and 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 cause teams a few headaches in the finals. And and Popovich is obviously good at setting up a team for um, for those sorts of games as we saw in the cup final. And, and I'm sure we'd see that again later in the campaign. It's interesting, uh, because I'm just having a bit of a look at the stats and that's just throwing everything. What we've just said out of the water, 17 shots to eight in favor of the victory. So they certainly still had their chances despite going down to, uh, 10 players as well. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Just not getting the results at the moment since that FFA cup victory. Uh, I think that's all the games we've been through Tommy. So we might take a little bit of a break and what we will do is um, have a bit of a look at the A-League women's competition. And in the second half, we'll also have a look at the MPL WA competition as well. Stick around, plenty more to get through. You are on the Weekly Wrap, all presented by the Far Purse Perth podcast. If you're as passionate about the A-League as we are, you won't want to miss a second of this season's action. And the easiest, quickest and best way to catch every game from every angle is with the A-League Live app. Simply search A-League Live or Sportsmate in the Apple or Google Play stores. Yeah, second half of the weekly wrap-up presented by the Far Post Perth, a podcast in association with Sportsmate and the A-League Live app. Check it out. You can get that, as just mentioned, through the Apple Store and also the Google Play stores. Great to have you with us. Don't forget, you can also check us out. A big reminder uh, to keep up to date. You check us out all over uh, social media. Far Post Perth is the way to go about that. Find us on Instagram, on Facebook, also all over Twitter as well. So we'll try and keep everyone up to date on what is happening. And uh, all uh, great to have all the interaction and great to have uh, everyone on board. And uh, I guess... Uh, Taking a huge interest in what we're doing, so we do appreciate everyone's support there. Also, if you'd like to throw some money our way to make sure that we can pay our bills, we've also got a patron. Make sure you head over to patreon.com uh, and also uh, patreon.com forward slash farpostperth. That's the way to go about that. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. And a big thank you to everyone who has already donated a few dollars to, uh, as I said, make sure that our kids don't go starving as well. Tommy, um, let's have a bit of a look at the uh, women's side of the A-League and let's start all the way back Friday. The good news story, Wellington getting their first win of the season over Canberra. Yeah, great to see, wasn't it? And uh, I I recall watching the Glory and Wellington game a couple of weeks back and and the Glory were possibly, I wouldn't say they were lucky, but they were certainly uh, on the right side of a comeback late in the game to pinch a sort of 2-1 win. against the Phoenix. And I think I came on the podcast and I said that despite that defeat, there was certainly a tangible progress that the Wellington team had made throughout the course of the season. So look, it was a result that was, that was possibly not such a surprise. Um, Canberra also yet to win a game as well, I believe. So um, that was obviously a, a good story to for Wellington to get that first win on the board. 
in terms of the glory who we'll come on to in a minute, that three-all draw uh, against Canberra now is looking like it could be a pretty costly mm. result in the grand scheme of things. They were up 3-1 and they've shown so much character and so much fight uh, amidst what's been such a tough schedule and, and, and a lot of away games like the men, as we've said before. And unfortunately now, and we'll come on to the game against Melbourne City at the weekend, it looks as though they're in a position where they could well finish as the best of the rest. Uh, yeah, it's looking that way, unfortunately. Um, but I don't think we need to throw the baby out with the bath bathwater, Tommy. There's been plenty of good, I guess. Um, uh, it's been a decent season considering where the where the side has come from. Oh, I'm, absolutely. I'm not I'm not doubting that for a second. I was I was just more reflecting mm. that the in terms of the the, the shake up of the season and, and given where the glory have gotten themselves to, uh, it's looking as though that result will be the one that that will prove costly. Unfortunately, I mean for me now, whatever the result is in in terms of where glory end up, this season's been a, a massive success in my eyes. And it, whether they finish in that top four, whether they win a final, whether they don't quite get there, um, I, I think. With what the girls have shown, their performances on the pitch, their character, the resolve under sort of testing and uncertain circumstances with the borders and so on, we, we can't forget that most of these players have jobs and school mm. and study and friends and family based in WA that they've had to um, spend time away from. And, and given that this is a very young glory team, that can't be an easy thing. For, for them to have had to to deal with. So, look, I think they've certainly made football fan, fans and, and Glory fans so proud, and that's a testament to the players um, and their attitude to Alex, who's obviously coached them so well during this season. There's a real progress that he's made with the identity of the way that the women's team is, is playing this season and the belief that the Glory organisation had in him was clearly something that was... Um, wholehearted and something that's really shown in, in results and performances this season. And as mentioned, there's so many positives in this campaign. The only disappointment is that we've only been able to see them and, and cheer them at home once this campaign. And, and look, by the time this March 5 date rolls around that we touched upon in part one, the Glory will only have one home game. The, the Glory women's will only have one home game on March 5. That's against Wellington and it is scheduled to be away. Now, whether rules will change and the glory are able to get a home game remains to be seen. We're, we're, we're certainly in the dark with regards to that. Um, but yeah, it's regardless of, of, of whether they do get there or not, the season's be, it been a massive success. And, and it should be said as well that Tony Sage did say on the radio on, on Saturday morning that Alex Apakis had been extended for another year, which is great for the continuity for the young players to continue that work and to progress. So, yeah, apologies if that's been a little long-winded, but I just fine, really mate. wanted to sort of show... Um, that sort of gratitude, I think, and and that the Glory Girls have certainly done the team proud, no matter no matter where the season ends up. Yeah, hundred percent right. Uh, I don't think anyone would want to uh, argue with you about that, uh, mate. I don't think they'd have anything going for them. Uh, let's have a bit of a look at Melbourne Victory Five Western Sydney nil. Uh, that does, uh, I guess, um, what it does do is it does see Melbourne Victory um, move out to three points ahead of uh, Perth Glory at the moment. So um, 
mean, it's still it's still within reach. It's not as I said. Let, let's not go too far yet because it's still within reach. Yeah, um, three, three points behind and three points also behind Adelaide, who've played the same number of games. Mm. Melbourne Victory has got those two games in hand, so they do. And the Glory play Melbourne Victory this Saturday, so that is a must-win game now yep. for the Glory if they are to maintain any. Um, outside hopes, well, not outside hopes. Sorry, mm. if they if they are to keep their finals sort of dreams alive, uh, which would be, as we've touched on before, an amazing achievement. Um, obviously, Adelaide's goal difference received a massive boost at the weekend after that eight-two win over Brisbane Raw with Fiona Vert scoring five goals in that game. So, um, look, they're essentially four points clear as now, barring a, a, a lot a large swing in goal difference. Um, but the good, good news is, is that Glory's final three games of victory, Sydney FC and Wellington, um, are mirrored by Adelaide's final three games. So, okay. Ad- so Adelaide play the same three teams in their final three games, sure. and it'll be interesting to see who can get the best results. Obviously, Sydney are undefeated this season, so it's going to be tough for either team to get a result against them. Um, but. There's certainly hope for Glory left this season, that's for sure. It was a disappointing result for the Glory going down at Fort Zip against Melbourne City on the weekend. Um, a big result for Adelaide United, 8-2 over Brisbane Raw. So they've been up and down as well. Brisbane, obviously, Perth got those cheeky wins against them earlier on in the season and they just haven't been able to turn around their season and and really go on with it. Uh, the other result there, Newcastle, a pretty good value to only go down 1-0 against Sydney who have just been romping in it against everyone. Yeah, unbeaten. Uh, they were the, uh, I believe they were the premiers last season, but Melbourne City were the champions, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they've only dropped points once this season, Sydney FC, and that was in the derby against Wanderers. So, uh, look, they're a formidable force. They're going to be very difficult to beat. Um, and if the glory can get any points, uh, anything against them in that game in uh, in Hobart, sorry, in Launceston, which we, we sort of revealed earlier was the, the, the double-headed game with the men's game with Western United, then that's really going to be a bonus on the way that the current form's shaken out so far. Uh, so just before we wrap up everything, uh, Perth Glory, at least at a senior level, uh, Perth Glory men, they're going to take on, well, it's supposed to be this coming Sunday. We're not too sure where that's going to be played, what time that's going to be played. Have we got a... Ta- so Tasmania. So three. Oh, games. that one is at Tassie this weekend. So, okay. So the next three games are in Tasmania. Sure. We've, we've got the... Sorry, I did make a note of this. Yep. We've got... Um, Brisbane on Sunday, MacArthur on Wednesday, and Western United all in Tasmania on Sunday. The the final of those three games, the Western United game on the Sunday, will be part of a doubleheader with the Glory women who also play on the Sunday against Sydney FC. Sure. Okay. We've got that uh, down in Tassie for the next two. Oh, sorry, Matt. I thought I was a little bit further down the line, but that's okay. Uh, Melbourne Victory will host the Perth Glory women this coming Saturday. That's at, uh, well, it's scheduled at the moment for one fifty. Perth time, so um, and I've just uh, seen as well that Melbourne Victory are playing a midweek game against Sydney FC this week in the A League Women's competition. So hopefully Sydney can do us a favour there; they can they can take some points off Victory, and that'll just help to close that one of those games in hand off a little bit. Beautiful stuff. Hey, let's move on to the night series that has been happening, uh, the NPL night series that is that's been going on. Let's have a bit of a look at the results from across the weekend: Coburn City nil, Inglewood. United nil, Balcata Etna one, Sorrento FC one, Perth SC nil, Armadale nil, 
Let's have a bit of a look in Group B, and then we'll have a chat about these uh, these results, Tommy. Uh, Guel up Croatia, one. ECU Joondal up, two. Florida Athena, two. Over Bayswater City, one. Sterling Macedonia, one. Over Perth, a glory. NPL, nil. So what are you? let's start with Group, uh, group A, uh, mate. And uh, what are you making about some of these results at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of draws and, and mm. low-scoring draws at the weekend as well. So um, three tight games, uh and obviously, it was probably warm. Con- it was warm conditions over the weekend. Obviously, so that I'm sure that that paid a factor. But it's probably just tightened up the the, the groups a little bit now. Um, well, obviously, it stays exactly the same, but it just it still remains tight. No one's really been able to quite pull clear. Um, Perth obviously on seven at the moment. Inglewood on five points. Uh, Sorrento and Balcatter on four. Armadale on two, and and Coburn on one at the moment. So. Um, Perth are actually playing Inglewood United this weekend. Um, Perth can obviously qualify for the semi-finals with three points there. That's part of a double header at Dalmatinac Park. Will Coburn will also play Balcatta with Armadale playing Sorrento in the other game on that Friday night. So uh, let's obviously Perth and Inglewood were the two teams that made the night series final last mm. season. Um, that one was played down at Dalmatinac Park. So both of those teams are looking pretty good with Sorrento and Balcaddy. You'd probably say the live chances of, of maybe upsetting the apple cart there. Let's have a look at Group B. And this was an interesting one because it did have um, Perth Glory and uh, Sterling Masso going into this one neck and neck. They're both uh, on the two wins. Um, uh, Perth Glory going down at one and nil. Uh, look, they probably were... Weren't without their best. Obviously, we we did see the four or five that headed over to Sydney to play with the senior side too. So uh, it was a huge opportunity for Sterling Macedonia, and they they took hold of that and ended up getting it. So I guess with the side that Perth Glory had, it wasn't a bad result in the end. And it's a formidable Sterling team, isn't it? Absolutely, three wins, three wins from three. So that's certainly no disgrace at all for the Glory to to only lose by a solitary goal. Michael Domfay uh, with the winner there, obviously um, former Perth soccer club player, former. MPLWA Golden Boot winner from 2019. Um, yeah, he's going to be a a big player for for Sterling this season. They're, they're just about through, I think, in in Group B now with the way that the other games shake up. And and on Friday night they play Gwellup, who are who are yet to uh, register a point in the group. So you'd, you'd expect on the current on the form and what we've seen that they'll at least get a point there, which would pretty much take them through. Um, yeah, East, Glory, ECU, Joondalup and Florida Athena are all on six points with Bayswater surprisingly yet to, to register a point and, and, and obviously Gwellup without a point either so far. So um, ECU had a 2-1 win on the weekend with Daryl Nickel continuing his good preseason form. Florida also well, he had two uh, goals to one. He had two Bayswater. goals and then he had a red card. So he had mixed, yeah, a bit of a mixed night for Daryl Nickel. Yeah, so I'm assuming that he'll be unavailable this weekend when, yep. when they take on, on Floriot. So, yeah, look, still plenty to play for in that group. Obviously, two of the teams uh, who are on six points in, in Floriot and ECU Joondalup are meeting. So, obviously, the winner of that game will take a big step forward to, to possibly reaching that that semi-final position. Yeah, very much so. We'll look forward to that uh, happening. So, uh, just to go through, um, once again, those... Um those fixtures as far as this coming weekend. So uh, Percy Doyle Reserve on uh, 
Friday night, Armadale Sorrento, uh, Dalmatinac Park on the Saturday. We'll see Perth SC and Inglewood United. Coburn City will take on Balcatta up there at Dalmatinac Park on the Saturday as well. So these are all uh, double headers. Group B, sorry if this sounds a little bit here and there because it's just the way that these are set up across both the groups. Friday, Gwellup and Sterling at uh, Percy Doyle and uh, these other matches on the Saturday. Bayswater City and Perth Glory at Frank Drago and also Florida Athena. We'll take on ECU Junior Lump. Just a big uh, bit of one on the Perth Glory NPL. They're going to be playing up at Forest Field again this year, which, no offence to Forest Field, and I do like the venue, but, geez, it's hard to get to. Yeah, um, uh, that's obviously something that the the Glory obviously played out of there last season. Mm. We're obviously able to to schedule home games there, and it was clearly a relationship which which works well for yep. the club, which is which is probably the most important thing. You want you want a little bit of certainty with where where your games are going to be played over the course of the season. But but I do also take your point that for for people possibly. North and, and south and, and central, it may not be the easiest place mm. to access, but that's obviously something that's that's out of out of the hands in that sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep, no dramas at all. Uh, Tommy, anything else that we haven't covered before we wrap things up? Just gonna just gonna say that I'm probably gonna be heading down to Bayswater on Saturday afternoon, yep. and, and you might be as well, Blaine. So early forecast is it's gonna be a warm one, but obviously any listeners of the pod definitely head on down, not just to. Bayswater, if you want to catch up with us for a beer or for a catch-up and a bit of a chat about the world game, but just to your local grounds the next few weeks, be it MPL, State League, there's some good football at the moment. Go and support your clubs, grab a drink, grab some food, um, all that sort of thing. Good people at all the grounds as well, football people who love sort of talking a bit of smack about the world game, which is what we all <laughs> we all love to do. We all so, think we're experts, but partic- especially when we've got a mic in front of us. <laughs> so particularly in these times, you know, when there's no sort of pro men's sport happening in WA at the moment, there's no sort of excuses really. And, and yeah, it means a lot to the clubs in these times as well to have a little bit of money behind the bar. So hopefully things pan out, Blaine, and I'll see you down there and we'll, uh, we'll be able to stay hydrated together on what's forecast to be a pretty warm day like it is today. Beautiful stuff. We'll wrap it up there, Tommy. Thank you very much for jumping on board as always. Thank you to you for listening. Don't forget to check out the A-League Live app. All thanks to Sportsmate, Apple Play Store or the Google Play Store or whatever you get your apps from as well. Uh, Make sure you check us out on all of the social media, whether it is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, give us a follow. Say good day. We'll be uh, we do get back to people. So uh, yeah, if, even if you want to send us a private message or whatever you want to do, enjoy your football over the weekend, and we'll catch you hopefully this time next week.